Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds. Welcome to the Nerd Association podcast from the WBNS studios in Columbus, Ohio. I'm your host, Mark Finch. And I'm your other host, Daniel Barnett. And uh, we have an, a packed episode this week. So I'm not going to dilly-dally around, but I, as is requisite, I am going to say, Chops, what do you think of when I say, including a thumbs up in this one, we make a good team? Well... Uh- it's always weird because it's like, well, is there anything else it does make me think of besides what I know the subject of, <laughs> of our episode is? I am sure I've heard people say we make a good team in a movie before, but uh, this one rings true for a movie we both saw in the last couple of days or last few days. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, the latest Marvel movie. Although it didn't feel completely Marvel-y to me, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's somewhat refreshing as we're moving away from the infinity saga. This is one of those where, and you, you and I talked a little bit about this, maybe even in our episode on Loki, wink, wink, mm-hmm. nudge, nudge <laughs> about how we didn't really know much about Shang-Chi going into this film. I certainly, you know, for, for all the research that I've done and, and the ways that it's interconnected on, on the Marvel films and, and have gotten into the comics some, Shang-Chi just has not like had not crossed my radar until of course we saw that it was going to be one of the Marvel films. I don't I don't think for a lot of audiences it's one that they're as familiar with. So I don't know that I knew exactly what to expect going into it and I I think this movie had big Black Panther vibes to me. And yeah. In the same way that I think folks were a little bit worried about how black panther was going to treat blackness (laughs) and like represent like how it was going to represent the first black superhero to get his own big movie i guess blade got one but that was a little problematic in its own ways well and is blade a superhero i mean he's a comic book character he's a marvel character but yeah in the same way like black panther was so well received and became like this this hallmark movie for I think a generation of black people. I think Shang-Chi yeah. has those vibes to me, especially, you know, Disney didn't know the state that the world was going to be in when this movie was released. And so to know that they're, that the Asian community and the Asian American community in particular have, I think, uh, I mean, I can't speak on their behalf, but I can imagine that this is probably a pretty cool thing. I thought a pretty good representation not as not a super tropey i mean it follows the mm-hmm. tropes of of yeah but some of that probably has to be falling back on the source material as well Correct. so they pro- i would think that they did their best i'm assuming the source material is very tropey right. and they've probably done a, a some legwork to make it less so than and you mentioned like yeah how it connects with the asian community and the asian american community and people finding that I, it's nice to see these movies where they make it and there's it's pretty much all asian actors i mean what yeah. there's razor fist and a surprise that i didn't see coming that we'll get to when we're in a more spoiler territory sure. but other than that it's pretty much all asian actors and and i just thought so well written and so well acted and like and as you said in a, in a lot of ways it doesn't feel like a marvel movie and but it made me realize like we need more martial arts marvel movies this kicks ass yes. like <laughs> It was I, martial I, arts is great for yeah. action shots because the problem with uh, 
a lot of action movies, not just Marvel, is a lot of quick cuts. People who are, you know, just learning the fight choreography and doing their best through it. And they, you know, they make it kind of work on the cutting room floor. But when you have actors who actually know Kung Fu and martial arts, right there, you can take that wide angle. You don't have to cut very much and you can see where everybody's fighting. And it, it just looks great. That was one thing that stood out a ton to me and uh, was very exciting watching this movie. I don't know about you. I, I don't feel like there was a weak performance anywhere in the film. You know, uh, with with Marvel movies, most of the time, especially your headline actors are doing, you know, doing a great job, but su- supporting roles sometimes fall a little flat. I just thought everything about this movie was it was a sleeper hit in a way that I don't think people expected it to to be. Uh, and it's yeah, broken it's, box it, office records across the board. <laughs> well, I mean, it was uh, I mean, other than it, like the Infinity War and Endgame, I don't remember the last marvel movie i was like oh let's see that on the first weekend and yeah I, I, it wasn't even really a plan it was just kind of something that happened but then you know our theater was pretty was pretty full and then when i saw the news come at the end of the weekend i was like oh wow it really did well in the box office uh, maybe it's also just the fact that people haven't gotten a marvel movie in a little bit of while and right. then you also add in the fact that i'm sure there's yeah some level of support from the asian community to just go see it I read an article last week before it came out that was like, you know, Disney kind of has their hands tied with Shang-Chi and like, you know, they kind of, because all their stories are so interconnected and because there's stuff like coming, you know, a lineup, cause it's like a Marvel movie or show a month now for a while. Um, yeah. it's like they, they have to release it. So, you know, hopefully this isn't a, a nail in the coffin for this like sub franchise, um, and I, you know, read that thinking like, oh, yeah, it's a kind of a shame. Like if this movie doesn't turn out to do very well, it's not, uh, you know, it's partially not the movie's fault. Right. But I mean, yeah, it's broken. Expect- you know, it's, it's beat expectations at the box office. I believe it had the best opening in for a Labor Day movie in history. Is that what I read? Wow. If that That's something then. Yeah. Well, yeah. So um, anyway. I, I can't say enough about it. And Laura and I, my wife and I went to see it last night to, to the recording of this episode and just were both blown away. And I, I don't know about you. Like it was a very emotional movie too. It hit me in the feels a lot. Like I found myself tearing up quite a bit, just being like this really, this really is hitting again. I, I just expected so much of it to be like trope or, or cliche. And, and it did talk about like, about family and the importance of honor and things like that, but not in the ways that are, that you kind of roll your eyes at from like, Oh, so this is like quote unquote generic, like Western interpretation of Asian culture kind of film. Yeah, no, it it walked that line really effectively without, but still like being accessible enough to people who don't know anything about that. I thought it, uh, it did a good job and it, you know, it still has like, it's it's hard like where is the line between like being the cliche and being authentic because there's that that uh whatever that like type of you know string music that you hear all the time when it comes to you know asian type yeah. movies and things and like that's definitely in the score but like at what point is that like properly researched and done correctly and what at what point is it you know uh what's the word stereotypical right i read an article sort of leading up to us recording today too that was talking about how there were things that as they were filming um you know the individual actors were doing their research and like one of the things one of the things that came up just as an as for instance 
is Ming Jie Shang, who plays Sean's sister, Xu Xiaoling, read mm. an article about like the trope of the edgy Asian woman, like Asian teenager with a streak of color in her hair as being yeah. this sort of like, <laughs> like it's such a specific st- uh, stereotype or like a specific trope. But then as soon as I read it, I was like, oh yeah, there's a lot of that, isn't it? And how like, yeah, that's like a token <laughs> for t- like female teen rebellion in those kinds of stories. And like how it's just, it's like really dumb. And she was like, can went to the director and was like, can we not do that? Like, they had already shot some scenes and, and the director was like, yeah, no, let's not do it. And, so, and he was, what, did she as, have a streak of color in her hair? Is yeah. That, and, and yeah. said and then, like to, you know, the director was like, Oh, to Marvel's credit, like they didn't bat an eye, like they changed it. And we like went back through and FXed out the scenes we had already shot. And like, I, I, that might seem like a minor example, but I think it is good to show that like, Hey, folks were doing their research and making an effort to be, uh as you said authentic and not just like com- not just regurgitating the same stereotypes and yeah and, and sometimes it's not even about noticing those kind of things like maybe you know you wouldn't even notice it but the fact that it's gone can maybe break a, a cycle and then maybe hopefully get you know the the idea of that trope being going forward and not that you have to kill off every trope or anything like that but it's just right yeah it's something to be cognizant of when when you're making a movie and to be that accurate another comparison i would say for me to black panther and this is more on a production standpoint Mm -hmm. i don't think marvel and you and i noticed this because i waited for the after credit scene i don't think marvel invests quite as much into the standalones that they're a little unsure about and i think that you can probably look up the the budget and be, be sure of that. But where you can really notice it is the wall of names at the end of a movie like Shang-Chi right. is not as big as in, a, you know, one of their bigger tentpole Avenger type sure. movies. And I'm referring to the CGI artist and not that it was any, not that there were any bad parts, but I remember that in black Panther being a few ones where you're like, Oh, that's not great CGI. I'm thinking back to when they showed the crowd, when they were fighting on the waterfall. Yeah. 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 And there were just a few moments in Shang-Chi. And again, it's not really that big a deal because they still do a really good job with their CGI and everything. It's just something that if you're, you know, if you're paying a little bit closer attention, you might notice real quick. And I think that's because they don't, they're not quite sure about these movies. And then that actually almost works in their advantage because when they are as successful as Black Panther was, and it looks like Shang-Chi is going to be overall, then now they've got a ton of confidence and they'll throw, uh, they'll be even more apt to throw money behind it the next time. Yeah. Cause they didn't spend that much money on the first one relative to Marvel movies. I'm sure, sure, sure. it was still a very high budget. Yeah. But I mean the product for as much as, as CGI played a part in this film though, I thought the, certainly they hit it where it counted. I mean, in the big, mm-hmm. when you, when you look at the sort of the, the guardian, the protector, the great protectors. Yeah. The great protector. And like the, the, uh, the shishi lions, the um, sometimes they're called foo dogs. I just thought some like some of that stuff was just really, really beautifully done. They they again they spent yeah. the effort where it really was going to count and where you were going to get big glimpses of it. Um, I also think it, I did some research into you know once I saw the movie, I did some research into how it drew from the comics, and as we have already kind of. Um, the comics have some problems <laughs> as a source material. Um, <laughs> They obviously got rid of that a lot, you know, I think all of that, but also they interpreted some of the things about the comics a little bit differently. 
in that like the 10 rings in this film are sort of like just become extensions of the person's like body and let you do things like launch yourself into the air and like use them like a weapon and things like that Mm -hmm. in the comics there are 10 individual magic rings that go on your fingers and they just like give you a power so like one of them's a lightning ring one of them's a a flying ring one of them's a psychic ring i think it's cool that they chose to kind of give shang chi something that's so unique in the marvel cinematic universe right like his powers or his like sort of implement is not like anything else that any other character has. Yeah. Almost every Marvel character has some form of like big jump or flight, but just the sort of the, the sort of physics in it, I think is really cool because it also implies a lot of mental and like coordination because you're summoning the rings and you're sending them in different places. And like he has like in, in the way that captain America has the shield that gets thrown, like you can throw the rings and they come back. So it's a little bit like that, but it's, I don't know. I just thought it was nice to see, like, it wasn't just like, oh, generic superhero powers. He can punch hard. He can fly. Like, he yeah, has like, super uh, speed. like I'm thinking of like a like a Shazam, right? Where like, the, yeah, he just becomes Shazam, and he has all these yeah superhero abilities. I, I guess Doctor Strange is kind of this. I was I was trying to think like, is it the only one where like it's an actual superpower that like is from earth? Cause you think about captain America, that's like a scientific, you know, steroid serum yeah. that he has. Iron Man is clearly just technological advancement that he wears on his, on his body. Um, Black widow and uh, Hawkeye are just like you know, normal people. Fit assassins. Essentially. Yeah. They just have incredible skill. Yeah. Uh, so I guess Dr. Strange a little bit, you know, cause that, but that's still like his, especially is still linked to an infinity stone, yeah. which is not really of earth either. So the, the 10 rings seem to be of earth um, and maybe, in fact, well, that's true at the end, they kind of, so I was going to tell you a little bit about the history yeah, now of the, that I think the 10 about rings it, yeah. in the comics and sort of what the movie pl- did with that. So in the Marvel comics, there are these race of dragon protector aliens called McLuhan's and they have various interactions with the storylines there, you know, in the same way that there's like the watchers and the eternals and there's the Crowler aliens. So the McLuhan's are just like another supernatural alien type force. They're the ones that create the 10 rings in the comic books. And in fact, in the comics, the character finds them in a crashed spaceship. Like they're literally a, like an alien spaceship with these like 10 magical rings the great protector sort of plays on that trope of one of these McLuhan aliens. And of course Mm -hmm. at the end in the, one of the post credit scenes where uh, spoiler alert, Captain Marvel and Bruce Banner are there and like talking about the sort of the fact that these are alien tech and some sort of homing beacon. Yeah. Now, after, as I was talking, I remembered that. So they're not of Earth, but it's interesting, presumably at least. But they didn't play it. They played it like magic and not like a sci-fi thing, which I thought was a, a, a neat touch because um, it was, I think, more appropriate to. I don't know. Just worked for me. Yeah. Well, and then different than like Black Panther is like Black Panther is also like a raw material that just lands on Earth, but they harness it and use it in so many ways. Whereas the Ten Rings are just the rings and. Yeah the individual user of them can use them, you know, to enhance their abilities. And like you said, as like a weapon, but it's not, it's not like the, you know, Shang-Chi's dad took the 10 rings and 
created a bunch of different products with it or products isn't the right word, but you, right. Yeah, you get it. It made him a powerful warrior. And that's kind of like, it gave him power and, and vile, like the power of violence essentially. Mm-hmm. But it was even interesting to see the different ways in which the father, when Wu, yeah, Zhu Wen. Yeah, Wu. I remembered Thank when you. I remembered when Wu because when he said it, it made me think of Wendy Wu, Homecoming Warrior, yeah, which okay. was a Brenda Song Disney Channel original movie. <laughs> there you uh, go. So that's so why anyway, I remembered when. Yeah, Wu. Tony Tony Leung as Wen Wu. So well, they they only call him that the one time. So I was trying to... yeah. <laughs> so the ways in which Wen Wu and Shang Chi use even the ways in which they use the rings are different from one another, right? Because it's yeah, and it, it, even they light up a different color. Well, and even things like Shang Chi is using much more of his physicality. Like in doing that sort of stair step, you see him several times do the thing where the, he throws the rings out and uses them as stair steps to like climb to higher places or like get an you know get a height advantage in the battle. Yeah, I just thought some of that stuff was kind of interesting because it's it's a reflection of the wielder as much as it is the item you know a lot of the time these sort of magical items like okay let's use green lantern for an example green lantern rings do the same thing no matter what green lantern is wearing them right like it has it's like a set of superpowers that are pretty much always used the same way we see like the the time stone we have seen wielded by dr strange and also Thanos used it a little bit. Point being is like a lot of these magical yeah. artifacts are just like basically they do their one use and the user adapts to what they can do. It was neat to see that like in this case the sort of magical item that the the rings adapt to the user, not right. the yeah, not, not the other way around. So I just and thought, I would think that you would based on the way they you know kind of laid it out, it would seem like you would have to be skilled in some way for it to enhance your abilities. That it doesn't right. just automatically make you powerful. Shang Chi is a a super well-trained martial artist yeah. throughout his entire life. So he was able to uh, exponentially increase his right. abilities, but he had to have the abilities first. And it seemed like when Wu, even though like it made him immortal in a sense, it, it extended his life, but it didn't seem like it made him immortal. Right. Like when he was, it, there was the scene to be the threat that he could be killed. It was just that he was too skilled to be yeah. you know what i mean to be accosted so i thought that was because well, i mean he too. was yeah i mean the, the mom even beat him up yeah originally so how far yeah how far could that go and you have to kind of assume but i wonder if once they like started their family and he took the rings off does that like make does he start aging normally he said he there was his that phrase that he said which was like it was the one thing that that was worth me like aging yeah uh, or you know growing old and so, so there is this implication that, like, while they do extend your life when you're wearing them, they're not. Uh, it's kind of like the One Ring from Tolkien or from Lord of the Rings a little bit, but yeah. Anyway, I wanted to talk about the connection. So then we talked about the McLuhans. The fact that the rings create a beacon. The there's a pl- the place that you see something similar to that in Marvel comics is it's not associated with the 10 rings but i don't remember i don't remember what the storyline was except that that beacon summoned the eternals and so if you think about them saying like oh this is an alien technology the likes of which we haven't seen before that could suggest that in fact um i mean it could just be that captain marvel has not been to the planet where they're from or seen that technology it also could be that they're changing it to be that the 10 rings are in fact 
connected to something like the Eternals, and the Eternals are Celestials, which is to say kind of like demigods. And it would make sense that if the Great Protector brought the Ten Rings to Earth as a form of protection, even though they were subverted away from that, that the Great Protector could be a, a Celestial dragon as opposed to like an alien race. Point being, I think all of this ties back to the fact that Shang-Chi's greater connections are going to become apparent to us as the new films come out. And most likely where we're going to start seeing those connections is in the Eternals. Yeah, I think that's a pretty safe bet, including the fact that uh, the Eternals trailer was officially tacked on to this movie release and not like... If you notice, it didn't do like the, this trailer is approved for all. It didn't have that screen. Correct. It just started because Disney does that. They like force you to show at least like two of their previews. Right. Automatically, no matter what, with their movie. Well, and you're, and you're right. It does. But it also in, suggests that there may be direct connections. Mm-hmm. So, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, it's a, it's a storyline that like obviously has existed in Marvel has not been developed, um, to interconnect with the other stories nearly as much. So it'll be interesting to see where they take it. That's, I mean, it's interesting to see where they go. Cause like we both said, this didn't feel as Marvel-y as some of the other movies. And I thought the same thing just from watching the Eternals trailer right before it started that it, and I think that's a smart decision to kind of go a, a little bit different. You know, I don't know if it's tone or setting or what it is, but it just feels a little different. Maybe it's the fact that we're not looking at Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Uh, for the first time in a long, 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 long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it, it's, uh, it's definitely something for Marvel and it's, I, I, yeah, I'm going to stand by that. I think it's the right decision because you, you don't just want to keep, rehashing kind of the the same things you got to move on to something else especially if you want this to grow at the rate that it has been growing well i think too you know as we're coming into this phase four and five we know that marvel is going to be introducing sort of the the variants on the roles that we know pretty well right so we know there's a new captain america we know from Uh the, the sort of announcements of lineups that thor love and thunder is probably going to be thor passing the mantle on to jane foster will become a sort of lady thor which was a character in the comic books they probably aren't going to call her lady thor they'll probably just call her thor um we know there's a she hulk coming we know there's a she hulk and we know there's an iron heart iron heart is the sort of inheritor of the iron man mantle and so uh, we're going to be seeing a lot of these sort of quote-unquote variant versions of the classic superheroes coming into play i mean certainly mm-hmm. You know, they've also set that up with like Bruce Banner having his arm in a sling because after he used the Infinity Gauntlet, it pretty much like robbed him of his vitality. (laughs) Yeah. And he's not only his arms in a sling and he's not like, you know, half Hulk. Right. Anymore. Just Bruce Banner. So I think uh, the thing I I guess I'm trying to get to is I think it's going to be an easier. How do I want to say this? An easier pill for the Marvel Cinematic Universe diehards to swallow that these characters that they've like, you know, spent 24 films and several television series with. Captain America was the first one and that mantle was passed, but I think it's good that they're sort of also introducing in new characters who are going to be part of this new Avengers lineup interspersing them with the movies where like oh a thor mantle is going to change oh a hulk mantle is going to change 
You know, we've yeah. now seen new, the new Captain America. We've seen the new Black Widow. But we're also seeing Shang-Chi is going to be coming in and being an important part. Obviously, like, Doctor Strange is going to be playing a bigger role going forward. Things like that. So, I don't know. I just think it's, it's um, as we can always expect from Marvel, they're making good choices when it comes to is, <laughs> these making these films. Is, uh, is Katie, Aquafina's character, is yeah. she going to be the next Hawkeye? Oh, you know, I didn't think about she that. She was learning how to use a bow and arrow in that. And she actually, she made the, the it wasn't the official kill shot, but it was, it the, was the beginning yeah. of the kill shot. I do believe that Hawkeye's daughter is becomes the new Hawkeye. Mm. But well, I have a they feeling... Have to, Katie can't just keep hanging around with just no, like, real skills. No, just, I'm like, guessing... One day of archery training. So Katie is, um, Katie is based on the character Katie Bashir. She has a superhero arc, too. Okay, it's sort of outside of, of the Avengers. There are like these different, these different groups, like right? Teen different Titans? factions. Well, no, it's just kind of like there's like a group of Avengers that's kind of like a, a little bit more mercenary, and I think she that character comes from that. Okay, they're not like anti Avengers. They're not necessarily bad guys, but they are more like uh, the CIA. Invincible the, had that where they were like different teams of superheroes that like did different things so but yeah no we'll see it'll be interesting to see how because and and you and i talked about this a little bit ahead of time i I don't always care for aquafina in things but i thought she was really wonderful in this and i'm glad to see that like in this role she's going to be in the mcu because i think it's it's very cool yeah maybe it's because she's maturing as a as a comedian or something but yeah the her like shtick of being like it's kind of like stoner cool girl type thing like too cool for school and yeah it's not always uh it's not my cup of tea either but i thought in this one she was like pretty much the the right amount of of comic relief without being like just a comic relief character she had her own little arc and everything too so i thought yeah they they used her well and it didn't it and again maybe that's just her getting better and it's not but it didn't venture into that territory that, yeah, sometimes I don't like from Aquafina's characters in other movies. I think, too, the thing that's... And to, to that point, the, the reason I think this movie hit as well as it did is because its its overarching tone was earnest. As You know, uh, every, every one of these films has its own tone. And, like, when the tone is struck just right... Thor Ragnarok's a really good example, right? Thor is a really self-serious character. So that movie being almost a buddy comedy works really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this movie would not have landed nearly as well as it did if it hadn't struck such an earnest tone because it told you like the filmmakers, the actors, like the writers are taking this very seriously. We don't view this as a joke movie. Yeah. Well, and how nice is it too, that Shang-Chi and Katie, it's not like there's some sort of sexual tension or that they're supposed to get together. It just appears to be a completely platonic relationship that, you know, that, and it works it's it's good i agree it's like a healthy it's like a, a healthy relationship in that they they have <laughs> been they're been friends forever and they go through this thing together and it like brings them closer in this way that they're like oh i could have lost you and that would have sucked and uh, maybe we should be you know take this to the next level so to speak so anyway if i had to say one negative thing about it sure. and this is tough because it's you know sort of a you know it's the first movie it's the introduction to a new character and everything but in the middle it dragged a little bit there was a lot of expositional scenes and you do have to set some of that stuff up i just maybe if there was a way to streamline some of that cut 
you know, a, just a little bit down that I think it could have moved a little faster. I just found it dragged just a little bit in, in the middle part there. Yeah, I will say, um, I think you're right that this, the editing of some of those flashbacks, I know they did it to try to give us incremental information to like not and they know there's going to be more they know there's going to be more movies or at least more with this character presumably that you know marvel always kind of has a plan with that kind of stuff so you get you kind of get payback when you release more stuff in the first one and then it's it's already there so you don't have to do that in the second movie maybe i guess all i mean to say is i think that you're where you're correct is that because the ways that those flashbacks were intercut slowed things down when they started to speed up and so it was like you had to then bring it back up to the sort of tempo after the flashbacks Mm -hmm. if they had just maybe even spent 10 minutes on a flashback scene and just told you what you needed to know it might not have felt quite as i know like there's choices to make and like it's in the end i agree with you it's not that big of a deal it just did slow the pacing down a little bit to keep intercutting between present day and flashbacks yeah because it was like dad scene of exposition flashback car chase not mom but mom's village scene of exposition flashback then we're on to the final battle (laughs) and that in that yeah that's what there was even like a flashback in the middle of the final battle that was like (laughs) right yeah anyway but otherwise go see shang chi i might go see it again because it Mm -hmm. was just i love i'm a sucker for a martial arts movie um, and I just hadn't seen a really good one in a long time. Well, that's something I was, I wrote down in my notes here. I was like, do kids still like Kung Fu movies? Like <laughs> that's still something, you know, cause there aren't very many of them anymore. And I don't know if kids are going back and, and watching them, but they used to be kind of a staple. Yeah. Uh, and now they're, you don't, you don't see them quite as much. And they, they've even like aged up too, where like most of the time you see them, they're, they're, you know, a little bit more mature. Yeah. I guess you could say like the raid or something like that. Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know. Well, maybe we'll see more of them that maybe this will pe- make, th- make people think martial arts are cool again. They've always been cool. What are we saying? Yeah, th- they have. That's true. Uh, what's also uh, cool now, I guess maybe not always been cool because that's kind of the idea of how nerd culture is like increased. It's, cultural hold on things and now it's just mainstream everything but marvel is cool now i would say so that's kind of we're also getting into this episode about more of what what's going on with marvel right now because we checked in after each of the three tv series Mm -hmm. and now we've got an additional television series that is not live action and not i mean though i mean it's express like it's expressly not canon Correct. Which is different for Marvel stuff, at least in in this era of the MCU. So well, the What If series, which is on Disney Plus, is what we're talking about. Yeah, and and the comics have done things like this before, right? Where they do. I don't know that it was it was called What If, but it was the same idea. I think I it like, is. Maybe I think it is. the What If series exists in the comics. Yeah. Point being, um, it is fun when like so much emphasis in the MCU is is like what's canon, what's not, how do they interconnect, what does this mean for the other films? No, this is just a series where it's like we're gonna just run with some cool ideas, and yeah. we are never gonna get to make a movie of these. Like we can't make them canon because they're too ridiculous. But like, here's a fun thought exercise, and I they're doing this with um, Star Wars. Well, they did a Star Wars comic series that was like this too. I think a lot of these properties are are catching wise to the idea that like 
So far, I haven't seen them do fan theory type stuff, but boy, you certainly could. You could certainly pay yeah. off on people's like, you know, fan theories in one of these what ifs and, and at least, you know, tamp down some of the trolls when you're like, all right, here, we did it. You happy? Does that mean, does that mean <laughs> we're going to get Raylo? We kind of, we already got Raylo. I guess. I thought, <laughs> I, I think it was after the second one, which was, uh, what was the second one? The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. I think it was after that one I was saying to J-Lo that I was like, the, like I feel the, the, the sexual tension between them. And she said, no, that's not what those characters are supposed to be. But they, you're right. We kind of got there, but not quite. Not full, not you're full right. on Raylo. You're right. We'll see them at home drinking blue milk on the couch, watching whatever Star Wars version of Netflix is. There you go. Yeah. That's, yeah one we of, need a, one we of need a has... romantic comedy with Raylo. <laughs> <laughs> and he just the he just comes in every episode there'll be like one shot where where he's not wearing a shirt and his his chest is as broad as a door like anyway yes perfect so <laughs> after getting so far off track marvel what if <laughs> so there have been five up ep- as of taping there have been five episodes of what if i'm enjoying them i sometimes because of how much you've built up these characters like the one i not that it was i mean it's just like you struggle to get out of that point where you care about the superheroes and them, you know, they pretty much always win with, with some minor, not minor, but uh, some choice casualties yeah. of the crew and things like that. You know, Tony Stark is finally, you know, he dies at the end of end game, things like that. But when they, I think it was the third one mm-hmm. where the uh, what's, what's the old Nick- Ant-Man, what's his name? Oh, Hank Pym. Yeah, where he's going around and he's killing all the Avengers as Nick Fury's trying to assemble the team. Yeah, man. I, I and I well, it's just like hard for me to be. Like, I, I, I don't want to watch all of them die in thirty minutes, but that's what you do. Well, I so yeah for for those who haven't checked it out yet, spoilers as always. Um, first five episodes are essentially what if Peggy Carter became Captain not America, Captain Carter, Captain Britain in this case. Um, mm-hmm. What if T'Challa had become Star-Lord instead of um, Peter Quill? Yep. What if uh, all the Avengers... What if the Avengers never formed? Because, in this case, because Hank Pym uh, assassinated them all. What if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? Basically like, hey, (laughs) Doctor Strange, probably the most powerful of all. And Wanda, we know that Wanda is considered maybe the most powerful... Doctor Strange certainly up there, but the ability- I think about this, it's like it's weird at, to, when you're comparing powers because it seems like it, it kind of oscillates between what it can be. And I think the best way for me to look at it is like, pa- like micro and macro power levels is like Doctor Strange and Wanda as well, but Doctor Strange probably even more so. Very powerful on a macro level, but could probably be killed by Thor, who's powerful know. on a more micro level. Who yeah. if you can take down anything just like one-on-one but i do i so i think it's interesting because wandavision sort of explored like what if a superhero one of these like well what if one of these supers used their powers for selfish reasons not even necessarily for villainy but for selfish Mm -hmm. reasons and this that episode of what if with dr strange gives you that like what if dr strange instead of being the sorcerer supreme like guardian of this of this you know version of the multiverse 
What if he was like, no, nah, I'm just going to use it to go back in time and do all the cool stuff I want to do. And then it kind of turns into a Groundhog Day episode, which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, it did. And then, sorry, and then the most recent one, which as of uh, as of us taping is just dropped this morning. What if zombies? What if all the Avengers? Well, what if the apocalypse uh, wasn't Thanos? What if it was zombies? I can't wait to watch it. I have not seen this it's, one yet. So. I, yeah, I, I, while watching, I was like, oh, Chops is going to love this. <laughs> yes, I, I'm very I'm excited uh, for that one. The the Doctor Strange one is, a, I think, a great appetizer and kind of getting your your gears turning for what's going to happen forward in Marvel movies with Dr. Strange starting to, you know, and not as not always on purpose, maybe, but starting to play with the multiverse stuff and kind of just, you know, if you're not, if you're not like hip to the jive, how, uh, how powerful he can be right on that macro level. I'm satisfied that what if, you know, the first two episodes were like kind of fun, fun to think about like oh what if peggy carter instead or what if t'challa instead that was kind of yeah, like a my fun... only problem with my only problem with the peggy carter one was like after you kind of get into it and you're like oh that is interesting it's like well then it's just like the last hour of captain america right like the first movie i guess just, what i'm saying is that. that was sort of like a fun kind of like a fun like uh bar conversation I thought it was good that the at least the most recent three episodes are like, what if the darkest timeline and right. they're never going to do that in, in the Marvel cinematic universe for any extended a period of time, because like they're superhero movies and we all know the trope, like the hero has to win in the end. What if you make an episode where the heroes don't win in the end? <laughs> um, and this is basically going to be Marvel's only opportunity to tell those stories where it ends with like, Nope, actually everyone's dead. All the yeah, Avengers the only... are dead. Like, like Doctor Strange actually collapsed the universe in on itself. You're never going to get that in mainstream Marvel. So, yeah, you got it a little bit in Infinity War, but you always kind of knew that, like, you know, it was the intermission of a two-part Correct. movie. So you, you knew that that really wasn't going to stick. Whereas, like the, especially like the one with Hank Pym, like that sticks. Those those people are dead. Yes. They're, they're gone. Yeah. And yeah, that is what would be a, what if, if you could do one, I was thinking about this before Man. the show. So I was, yeah, the, you I, I, start, start. Us yeah. Off. I was brainstorming. I was thinking like, what if Tony Stark did all the Iron Man stuff, but then didn't change his ways on how uh, Stark industries makes money. And he just, he basically, cause Hammer kind of does that in the second one, but what if Stark Industries just said, "Yeah, we'll sell these Iron Man suits to the highest bidder," and what would that be like if just any government or any army or any person with enough money could just buy Iron Man suits? Yeah, um, I think an interesting what if could be. I think two come to mind immediately. What if um, the Civil War? didn't end when Thanos came like what if the factions didn't decide to unite and and tried to fight him in their own separate ways okay and then uh I guess sort of part two of that would be what if the they use this sort of time travel trope to go and get this the the old versions of the infinity stones to make things right in endgame yeah. But what if that like the infinity stones are magic? What if they were uh, like bringing them back to the present just made them dissolve again because Thanos had willed it. So I guess the, the answer is what if they could not have 
what if they could not have restored the infinity stones and that's like the post blip universe is the one we move forward in i guess Ooh, so that's kind a, of the I, darkest that, that made timeline me think of another that made me think of another what if what if when the people got blipped it was there's two earths where one was the one we saw in endgame and the other one was all the people in Endgame were actually the ones who quote disappeared, right? And all the people who disappeared in Endgame were actually alive on that, Earth. That's and how would one. that play out? That's I think a, that would be fun. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one to see how they, what they like, what game plan they would have come up with. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I don't know. Look at me. Yeah, <laughs> don't take my ideas, Marvel. Uh, you know what? You know what? For... It's probably gonna be. It's probably gonna be one of them because that's such a good idea. I'll be shocked if it isn't one of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we didn't talk much about the T'Challa one yet. Uh, I did. I like the like Thanos turned good guy yeah. part. I think that, but that's because everybody always claims that I'm a, I'm a big Thanos fan. All I said, all I've ever said is Thanos is good at identifying a problem. He's not very good at problem solving. Wait, no one's ever agreed. No one's ever disagreed with you that like he did. Yeah, but that always turns a... into, that always turns into chops as a fan of Thanos. You're a Thanos. A Thanos, yep. <laughs> it is It is pretty funny to think that, like, all that needed to happen for Thanos to change his ways was somebody as charming as T'Challa to be like, hey, bud, <laughs> like, maybe you're maybe you're coming at this the wrong way. And for him to be like, oh, it, it, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> and it is very funny when they replay the beginning of uh, the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. And they're going through it. And he goes, who are you? And he goes, Star-Lord. And instead of, you know, the famous who? Yeah. He's like, oh, and he's like a huge fan of yeah. him. And it's <laughs> right. The idea that T'Challa is just so much more charming and like better at being around people than Peter Quill is pretty funny. Yeah, it is. And it, it in a way, it's a pretty fitting send off. Of course, we haven't yeah. said it yet, but that was Chad. That's Chadwick Boseman's last acting credit is recording the the voiceover for this what if episode and so yeah it does it's at least like it's cool that t'challa gets to just be unequivocally the hero of that version of the story everyone yeah. loves him he he's even able to convince thanos hey bud maybe don't kill half of everyone just reallocate your resources oh yeah it turns into it also turns into like a kind of a cool Ocean's Eleven yeah. <laughs> type deal. So he gets to be Danny Ocean for a little bit. Yeah. Then he saves Space Dog, which I was like, why is there a dog in an astronaut suit? And Jen was like, Space Dog. And I was yeah. like, is that? And she's like, yeah, Space Dog is like in the comics. He like yeah. goes on little adventures. And I was like, I want to know more about Space Dog. Space Dog is um is based on the the Russian astronaut dog. Why can't I think of his name? <laughs> that like, you know, you know how, um hey, folks. Barknik. Barknik. Wanna- Barknik. You know, folks, um, <laughs> if you don't know this about space programs, uh, Russia probably, and I think the U.S. did it too, just like sent animals into space to die just to see how long it would take, essentially. <laughs> so, you so know. So the space dog is what if one of them didn't die and Correct. just got to do space things? Yeah, exactly. What if he just adapted and was like, oh, actually, I'm doing all right up here. So <laughs> well, we'll see. Honestly, the, 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 one, the what if you proposed is us great. They should make that one. Like, what if it's not that everyone disappeared? What if it just split realities? So half of the people mm-hmm. went to one version of Earth and half went to the other. I want. I would pay to watch that. Give me that movie. Yeah, I don't want to like. Yeah, I don't want to like sound conceited or anything. But because uh, I just came up with that on the fly, and I'm like, I really like that uh, idea. I want to see that too. Yeah. So good. Well done. Uh, okay. Anyway, so yeah. the last thing. Yeah, I was just all yeah. I was gonna say is it's fun. I don't know that it's necessary viewing, but like it's fun. They're short episodes. They're easy to watch. Just do it. 
Yeah, and you can pick and choose too. If you're like, yeah, I don't really care about Peggy Carter being Captain America. Or if you don't like Captain, you can skip that. There's not, they're not like connected themselves Correct. either. They're completely separate, episodic what ifs. Yeah. Yeah. And then last but not least, we told you this was a packed episode. Uh, we had the big reveal of the, the latest Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. And uh, hello, a, Peter. Hello, Peter. We all knew we all. OK, so at this point, we all knew that that this was going to be a multiverse thing. We all knew yeah. that Doc Ock was going to show up. Um, uh, spoiler, if you didn't think about it, the bomb that rolls onto the interstate in that scene is a is a hobgoblin or green goblin bomb. And they kind of have a like a Willem Dafoe laugh in there. Yes. So and- I'm hoping it's him. He's great. And uh, I think with the thing that, that this movie is like not the, the thing that it's not showing you is that this is probably going to be the introduction of the Sinister Six into the MCU, which the Sinister Six was a group of, of supervillains in the Spider-Man comics that were like his biggest arch villains. So Green Goblin, Doc Ock, the Gator one, the Vulture, uh, the Jamie Foxx, the Electro shock guy. yeah and there's one more. uh the rhino Maybe. he was in the other spider the amazing yeah. spider-man too but anyway what paul giamatti basically yeah that's good uh basically i believe that probably no way home's gonna introduce sinister six and if they're gonna do that then they're just gonna give us different versions of spider-man who are all gonna get oh mysterio duh mysterio's in the sinister sinister six who but is mysterious dead that's why everybody hates spider-man yeah. now oh, yeah he's deaf this guy who definitely like who can jump between multiverses is definitely dead <laughs> no okay, he frame spider-man it dummies and then um someone said that they're like there is toby you can see toby Maguire in the the trailer like the he has there's a scene like in the trailer where it flashes and you can see him yeah well i mean it's like people you don't have to look i mean it's fine if they want to but like we know from behind the scenes, actual things like industry news that right. like those two are going to be in it. Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are also going to be in it. Yeah. And uh, of course, uh, the thing we're not talking about is that we haven't talked about yet is Doctor Strange in uh, in like a tracksuit, which is just great. <laughs> yeah, why it's all I don't know if they're going to explain that, but it's all cold in his little house or whatever. Well, and he's be- because the Hulk smashed a, a hole in the roof. <laughs> why or thor no the hulk, yeah the hulk smashed a, a hole the hulk, a th- hulk got sent through it by was it the rainbow bridge is it heimdall yeah is it heimdall right he that was like his last thing yes. as thanos was killing everybody yeah on the ship so they just haven't fixed yeah. the roof yet that's funny he's got like a park on but he's also still got his cape over on uh, cape on over the park someone someone joked that that's why wong was was doing like fighting ring stuff is to get money to pay for the the sanctum sanctorum <laughs> the roof to get fixed uh, i like wong i like the way we didn't mention how he's in uh shang chi but oh, i love wong. I like the way they're using him now I he's do, uh he's they're really fleshing him out and he's a fun character yeah. also and a great actor i don't know how it took me this long to realize this but Doctor Strange is is headlined by two Benedicts. I don't know why. <laughs> right. didn't, like, I don't know why it never occurred to me before. But like, oh, it's Benedict and Benedict, which is just so. I mean, when does that ever happen? But anyway, I, I, well, I, well, as somebody who has never met in real life a Benedict, I would say pretty rarely. Sure. So, <laughs> no, I listen, man. We are big nerds here, and we love Marvel. 
I, they just keep hitting it out of the park. You just keep yeah. being afraid that something's going to not work or be bad or they're going to do something offensive. Like, no, it just kind of keeps going. It's, it's rolling. I'm excited to see the Eternals. Uh, I'm excited to see the new Spider-Man. And of course, like Multiverse of Madness is going to be great. So I'm just, I'm here, yeah. man. I'm on board. I'm here for it. I'm here for it too. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention that is not Marvel related, but yeah. I, I'm not going to do a Chops movie review on it and I don't know where <laughs> else to put it. And I was disappointed. He's all that sucked. <laughs> it's not good. I mean, it's not like she's all that is all that great, but <laughs> it, uh, he's all that is terrible. It's filled with product placement. Uh, what's her name the the girl in it is a tiktok girl i can't remember her name right now is uh, it charlie demillo or something like no that? it's not one of the demilio girls it's the other one <laughs> okay not yeah like, the other one it's i gotta look it up now okay her name is addison ray she's she's a nice tiktok star she's not a very good actress <laughs> surprise and the like even it's even worse than like the she's all that where they like take off her glasses and brush her hair in this one they like shave away like stubble from his face and they're like oh my god i can't believe he's actually hot like yeah the you couldn't see it's and it's just not yeah the story isn't any good matthew lillard shows up and uh rachel lee cook so i mean we love them yeah well sorry i'll just go ahead and edit that little those three minutes into its own episode uh <laughs> there we go <laughs> shortest nerd no i'm kidding um so guys listen you come here you get shang chi you get what if you get spider-man noah helm and also he's all that right here on nerd association so uh tell us you know tell us what you're excited about when it comes to there's so much marvel upcoming tell us what you're most excited about in the, you know in phase four and in phase five of course we already know so much about the lineups that are coming out in the next few years you can do that by finding us on twitter our handle is at nerd n-e-r-d underscore a-s-s-o-c you can also reach out to us on uh, via email you can write to us at nerd at gmail.com let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about or maybe you can even come on and be one of our nerds and we'll talk to you about the things that you care about thanks for listening and we will talk to you next week Bye.